Now I'd like to turn things over to our Grand Marshal, Mr. Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> I'd say this vessel could do at least warp five. <laughs> and let me say, may the force be with you. Do you even know who I am? I think I do. Weren't you one of the little rascals? <laughs> Space. We open on the bridge of a uh, of a starship. There's a hustle, uh, the bustle and commotion. A door slides open, and in walks our hero, Seth MacFarlane. Oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah, that did just premiere to some <laughs> very bad out. reviews. Yeah. We're of course here to talk about the Orville. No, <laughs> I don't know. I could uh, I I could just piece together the thirty seconds I laughed at in that three minute trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but apparently the show's not like a, a comedy it's no like, it's yeah it's like surprisingly it's an hour long it's like it's mostly drama drama space drama stuff with yeah. some jokes hmm. which like i i'm i'm down for as a concept i don't know if they've nailed it but uh uh the i check in on the star trek subreddit because it's oh i can only imagine it, but like a lot of them are like no it's the star trek show i want and i'm like i you guys kind of want to but uh, you know what? I'll probably catch it if it ever hits Netflix. I'll give two episodes a watch. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, I, I want I want McFarland to be better. I always think that he's trying, but yeah. Fox is very happy to just say, "No, make us more of the racist just, just, comedy." Yeah, just yeah. do more Family Guy. Well, in reality, this is I think you'd be into it, yep. and we are here yeah. to talk about <laughs> Star Trek, the oh, original whoops. series, and stop moving around with your microphone and knocking shit over. I, uh, yeah, I uh, picked my foot up to cross my legs, and the uh, Zoom was just in the air, suspended by our microphone cables. Hi, I'm your other host, Brandon Beck. I didn't introduce myself, but oh. I'm Beth Scorzato. Hi. What up? Great. Um, we're here today. We're here today. With Kevin Church. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. Hi. Hi, guys. All I invited you to my house like for this. this calamity. That's what, great. What's That's funny great. is, like, before, literally seconds before we got started, he was talking about how how professional we are and how good a job we do with this show. And then it just all went sideways, not even a minute into the recording. This is episode four of Into It Pod East. So that's four in like three days. Have we already done four of them? Yeah, you guys have have been knocking them out. I've uh, I've been looking forward to hearing them. Um, He's like, oh God, I have to edit all these when we get home. Yeah. (laughs) On On top, I have to edit these and The Simpsons show and find a job. (sighs) Oh, <sighs> L.A. Yeah. So, yeah, we're here to talk about uh, Star Trek OG. Yeah. I'm Kevin Church. How are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, glad to have you guys over. Uh, moved down to Brooklyn a couple months ago. Finally mm-hmm. got the place almost decent enough for guests. And since you're, mm-hmm. I've known Beth for too long now, I figured... She could see me at my yeah. worst. Yeah. My well, and, not is great. And like, we're, uh, we're and he, almost Okay, decent, but his so. worst also is that he just like baked bread and came, when we came in, he was like, I just baked this fresh bread. Do you want some? And it was delightful. Yeah, it was fucking it dope, was you guys. Good. It was fucking dope. <laughs> I endorse Kevin's bread. Thank you. Thank you. It's the King Arthur recipe. Uh, look for hearth bread at the oh. King Arthur website. Kevin and I also uh, often correspond online with our other friend, Andrea, just as soup club, whenever we have good soup. Soup, soup, good soup is good food. <laughs> 
How have I? How have I never heard about soup? You've never club? heard about uh, soup club? Never <laughs> mentioned. It's about three or four times a year. One of us has a really good soup, and, and we'll we just have, tweet at the other team. Yeah, I just had a really good soup. We're about to get married, and you've kept soup club from me. Excuse me. If you think Andrea and I don't talk about weirder shit than soup club, yeah. Oh no, I'm 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 sure this is like on the low end of the spectrum, but still, soup club. I, I, come on, because almost Join everybody in. I know really likes a good soup, except for mm. my friend Dylan. Who hates soup? Well, like, fuck Dylan. Yeah, he's a good guy, except for the soup thing, and and his love of the Star Wars prequels. That's oh. somebody you guys get on this show. That would actually be an interesting conversation because he can he can actually do an okay job of defending. Most them. of oh, what yeah. I remember about the Star Wars prequels was that I saw all three of them on very awkward dates. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So that's that's most of what they like occupy in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, before we get get deep into the uh, intergalactic weeds of Star Trek, um, let's talk about the things we're into this week. Uh, Beth, do you want to go first or should I? No, I like making you go first. Okay, that's fine. Uh, this week, I am particularly into Steve Martin's Bluegrass. Um, he's about to release his third record with the Steep Canyon Rangers, who are like a world-class bluegrass band. Like, like if you just wanted to say like, oh, who's the, the best like modern bluegrass band it's the steep canyon rangers and he you know he's a legit banjo player and a really good composer and lyricist um and their their next record is coming out in a week or two and it's called uh the highly anticipated album or something like that um and they've released a couple tracks from it on spotify uh that are really really good there's one called caroline which has a cool video with bill Hader. And this like construction Ooh. paper animation hater, style. Hater? Yeah, it's no, it's him. I love the hater. It's him and Cecily Strong. Oh wait, no, fuck it, fuck it, fuck fuck Steve Martin's Bluegrass. The thing I'm really into this week is Bill Hader in documentary now. The episode uh, called uh, Parker Gale's location is everything. It's a uh, a okay. parody but of. You've been in this. You've been into this for months. I've been into count. this since it aired, but I've never I've never done it on our show. Um, <laughs> it's it's a parody of Spalding Gray's. Uh, oh, and everything swimming to Cambodia. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it is it's Bill Hader's best performance it ever. Is. Period. It is a remarkable. I'm a big fan of swimming to Cambodia. I'm a I'm a big fan of. And everything is going fine. Sure. All, all, I love all of Spalding Gray's work. Oh yeah. That is a masterful. Oh yeah, right up there with uh, yeah. It's it's I I would love a, a set with those two side by side. Oh yeah, uh, well somebody somebody well IFC as a promo did it. They they put some video of Bill Hader and the real Spalding Gray next to each other, and it's like it's eerie how how close he has it. It's like the and and the fact that uh, the whole conceit of the thing is that he's doing his like you know monologue to the camera. But unlike Spalding Gray, every few minutes the person that he's like telling stories about is allowed to like interject yeah. and just talk about how everything he's saying is bullshit in some way. And it starts off with like just his girlfriend and then it escalates to like the kid he meets on the street and his therapist and like an MTA worker. And it's it's so it's like a brilliant deconstruction of uh, like self-involved uh, monology uh, with a. Um, astonishing performance uh, at its heart. Uh, and I could watch it every day and still probably laugh like a fucking idiot. Yeah, Armisen is the problem with documentary now because oh, yeah. of all the allegations about him. Yeah, it's one of those things I yeah. love to introduce friends to, but it's like, I can't enjoy Portlandia because of you, dude. And, That's fair. And, yeah, I just and, can't enjoy Portlandia. 
it's that's fair it's too. Portlandia is is a, an example of five good ideas that they tried to stretch to eight seasons. To eight seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I never got too deep into Portlandia, but there have been some. The first season of documentary now I really liked. It is. But the this second most season. yeah the second season like between when I heard that they were doing a Spalding Gray one and then a Stop Making Sense episode, which is one of my all-time mm. favorite movies and like yeah. one of the biggest influences on me just as a creative person and that they nailed it so specifically is it's just it blows my mind how their atten- how like good their attention to detail is yeah but it doesn't surprise me when it's like fred armison and john mulaney and seth Meyers. There's so many smart guys oh involved yeah in that I, I wish they had more room for more women that's, that's fair just me being cranky. that's true that that aren't just uh my rudolph yeah and i love my rudolph yeah, i mean great. I want Maya Rudolph to be a regular on everything. I, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, specifically, okay, Steve Martin's Bluegrass and these two Documentary Now episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, this week, am very into, because I got reminded of it when we watched Nintendo Direct yesterday, that I just really want to finish my original Pokemon Moon because I'm very excited about Pokemon Ultra Moon coming out because I'm a child. <laughs> I, I don't, I know, I don't keep up with the Pokemon. Uh, so there's, I know Pokemon Sun Moon. Those were cartridges from a few years ago, right? Last, last year. year. Oh, last year. And they're coming out with Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Later and so, this year. and those are Switch versions of those. Nope, they're no. still oh. the DS. They have not. Oh, they've been talking. There's been like a lot of rumors about bringing a Pokemon game to the Switch, which I would be very into. Which, which would be Pokemon Stars. Would be Pokemon Stars. That would that would actually and yeah I, I can see into that, but I can see not I can see it. the Switch working with like a, a Pokemon Snap kind of yeah. game too, because oh, I of the love portability. Pokemon Snap. Uh, yeah, Pokemon Snap was is the only Pokemon game I've played because I got it for the 64 on a whim. Well, you played literally the best Pokemon game. Yeah. Yeah. So I just I gotta go. I did. I I mean I did beat. I beat all the gyms. I'm the Pokemon League champion. But yeah. uh, I was in the middle of the Delta episode. I caught all the Ultra Beasts, and I was on my way to, like, filling my Pokedex. You can go to, like, the secret, like, battle area that's, like, up in the mountains. And I was on my way there when I stopped playing. And now I kind of want to finish it so that I have all the Pokemon so that when I play the new one, I can, like, port my <laughs> old Pokemon, Pokemon over. Well, yeah. that's the that's the thing. I've, uh, there's... There's whenever they do a new video game, it's always like, well, can I switch my awesome badass super player from mm-hmm. Star Wars Battlefront to Star Wars Battlefront Two? And they're like, no. Well, even with the, no. even with See, the new DS, grind have, on technically, that. technically, I think maybe you can't. But because we have two DSs in the house, I can just use his to trade all of my basically yeah. trade with my my game. Yeah, because oh. ev- because like like every Pokemon oh. since Gold and Silver, I got two gyms in and was like, I'm good. I got everything I needed out of I this. Wandered, I wandered yeah, around. So he I had some, Sun, so yeah. I didn't really get any of the stuff I needed him to catch. So I might also finish his Sun game and then like trade with myself twice. Oh, yeah. Wow. Which is a lot of being a huge nerd, but we'll see. We'll I see ca- how much time I have. I caught them all in Gen 1. I'm good. I had all the original cards. Damn. Yeah. yeah. I had I, all of I'm, the base set and jungle set, like mostly first edition. I sold them to some guys in college for much less than they're probably worth now that Pokemon is popular again. Probably. But, yeah. Pokemon, is, it, is, uh, it is a remarkable story of them taking the brand and reinvigorating yeah. it and figuring yeah. out how to, ta- how to tap into people's love of catching monsters. And yeah. I, was, yeah. I was a little too old when Pokemon hit, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things that I've really... Like, oh yeah, I admire Pokemon. I admire its purity. I was oh, yeah. perfect it's, age. It's, yeah, I was Same. perfect. I'm one of the few people that still plays Pokemon Go, but I don't have anybody to do raids with, so it's kind of frustrating now. But 
I can get my Destiny raid group to to do some Pokemon raids with you. Thanks, oh Ed. yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Kevin, what about you? What are you What are you into this week? Well, with the with Netflix, uh, we started a rewatch of Thirty Rock, and with Netflix, ah. Netflix announced, "Hey, we're taking it off on October 1st. Yep. Um, probably because of licensing with NBC. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it moved over to Amazon Prime or something. Yeah. They They moved their big tentpole streaming franchises. Uh, fairly often we've been really cramming in three or four episodes a night of 30 rock mm-hmm. and we just went through season four which is the seasons peak. three and four are like oh, amazing yeah. four is where i started when i watched it yeah i haven't watched one through and three. we've we've gotten to season five now and i'm really into how the show um is so good at uh setups and payoffs of repetitive gags yep. and just very quietly like kenneth's agelessness mm-hmm. starts just being quietly referenced in like episode two. And then there's this uh, episode that starts off this season with their running Tracy's uh, testo bit. And Kenneth drops to his knees and goes, no, Jacob, I wasn't done with him. Yeah, I wasn't done with him. And I'm, I'm like, that is a gag that yeah. is funny on its own because, well, I've seen a few episodes of 30 Rock. I know Kenneth hangs out with Tracy a lot. And if you've been watching the show, it really pays off as yeah. what is Kenneth's role on Earth? And yeah. it's also yeah. it's also a lost joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this is this segues nicely into our episode is that uh, 30 Rock, I say, is my second favorite show of all time. All right. With Star Trek, the original series being first. That's uh that is a statement. Yeah, that that's, a, that's a heck of a statement. That is. It is. There's no, those two shows have made me probably the happiest over. I mean, there's shows, lots of shows I love. I love The Wire. Sure. You're not allowed not to love The Wire if I you're a white liberal. <laughs> uh, the Wire, Homicide Life on the Street. I There's plenty of shows. I actually have the funky box set uh, they put out a few years ago that looks like a filing cabinet. Oh, nice. Nice. But, yeah. Um, but there's lots of shows I love, but those two, for some reason, like 30 Rock has so many jokes that I just think oh, that have become yeah. part of my lingo. Like, oh, I sent you a business sext. Yeah. Like, that is just a great joke. And, and Tracy grabbing his phone and saying, Siri, kill Jenna. I, th- that, I, I, I think about that sometimes and I'll just start laughing. I, I can't use Siri without saying, thank you, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but or, yes, or like, I'm, uh, I'm really back in. I'm, I'm into 30 Rock because... And also, they've not announced a Blu-ray release of it. Oh, I, I, it's still on DVD, and I'm I like, I doubt they will. Yeah, but it was all shot on HD. Oh yeah, I mean, I they yeah. could fit it on like eight discs now. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it, I, I feel like the sort of market for that isn't it isn't. If Thirty Rock had had finished like a couple years earlier, yeah, you probably would have been able to get that. Yeah. So, or I'm gonna end up like I did with Curb Your Enthusiasm, just buying it on streaming. Yeah, and then fair. Amazon Prime was like, "Hey, we got your Curb Your Enthusiasm." I'm like, "Oh, thanks." <laughs> yeah, I I stopped buying shows a while ago once I could just have them all digitally. Yeah, and that just and now now that I used to buy a bunch of DVDs and Blu-rays, but now that iTunes we is doing the we still have quite a few like very large DVD box sets. <laughs> yeah, but like now now that iTunes is doing the bonus features too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I still buy discs for a fair amount of movies. I actually, those two boxes there, you guys can't see them. I have two boxes sitting on a shelf. Oh, those are full of sleeves with Blu-rays in them. Oh, wow. Two. Um, uh, I still buy physical discs just because I'm still in that mode, but I've done my best to like reduce. Like you, That's three shelves, I think, is not that much. Yeah, no. when we moved, yeah. we went from four towers down to like one and a half. Yeah. 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 
And like, we don't even know what's on them because you never pull anything out of there. Yeah. Like, it's basically, it's just where my Simpsons DVDs live, basically. Oh, yeah. And the couple Criterions I have. Yeah, I'm a criterion. I'm one of those criterion collectors you hear about on the internet. I just wait until the fifty percent off sale. That that's like, that's the that's the thing. Is that I seems do like that and I spend two hundred bucks. Yeah, that seems it. like that's that's just their business model between their half off sale and the Barnes and Noble half off sale. Yeah, they 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 hit them like once every three months between the two of them. There's always a half off sale. So. Yeah. So yes. So so Star Trek. Nerds. Star Trek. Yes. So okay. Since we're talking specifically the original series, and I know there are a lot of people that feel very strongly about the different ones, what is I, so contextually, I, I think I've told you this before that I've never seen any Star Trek. Yeah. Um, other, I mean, I've seen the new movies, but um, I was afraid of Star Trek when I was little. <laughs> uh, whatever one was, I think it was uh, Next Generation was on when I was little. Yeah. And the guy with the head. Oh, Worf. Worf. The yeah, I was really yeah. scared of that when I was little. The I was very scared of it head. when I was little. And I think that just like I then was just like, well, I'm scared of Star Trek. <laughs> That 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 actually that actually makes sense because uh, like it does come from someplace. It yeah. wasn't like irrational. Michael Dorn and he never looked happy. He was always frowning and mean. And when you're like three or four or five and you see a grumpus with a funky head wandering around, yeah, I just I was so terrified on a of him set that looks vaguely like a Hyatt uh, lobby yeah. from 1989. <laughs> Yeah, you're like I could run into that guy anytime. I don't like that. And there's Whoopi Goldberg in a weird hat. Yeah, I was also scared of ET when I was little. I think it was just like I didn't understand like animatronics and makeup, and it was very terrifying. So anyway, I haven't seen any Star Trek. He's seen some of it. I've seen bits and pieces. I I liked uh, Next Generation when I was younger, but that's just because I liked Levar Burton. Levar Burton. I never really like watched it. Next Generation has a cast that I love on a show that I don't enjoy very much. Every time that's I, fair. I really like all their behind the scenes stuff. Whenever they're talking about being on the show, I absolutely love it. Sure. Uh, or but like, like or like Patrick Stewart doing a dance routine. Yeah. On the, there's like ten episodes of Next Generation I really love, but that's out of seven mm-hmm. seasons. That's not like yeah. So but, then, so uh, then why now? Even now, why Star Trek original series? Okay, so. Uh, I talk, I've talked about this a little bit on my Star Trek Tumblr located at theyboldlywent.com. Mm-hmm. But when I was a kid, Star Trek was the first grown up show that I watched. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it was a show where adults had a job. Their job was to do space stuff. <laughs> That's cool. And all of them had real character and mm-hmm. they didn't, it was kind of an all ages show in that. There was, it was, uh, it was, except for Captain Kirk smooching a woman every three or four episodes. It was a pretty chaste show. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, when Spock goes horny bones, you don't know about that. I don't. Um, but it was a show that my parents felt comfortable with me watching. And I, I'm going to brag here, I was an early reader, an early advanced reader, and they knew that I could just read Star Trek novels because it's not like they were going to put anything. Too objectionable. They, they yeah. weren't going to put any Stephen King stuff in those. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah, I from a very young age, that was my touch point for adult fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it stayed with me over the years. And as, uh, as I've gotten older, um, I've come to really appreciate the uh, great job the series did in, in weaving themes and message in with action-adventure storytelling, character-driven plots. Mm-hmm. And... Um, for the time, really good special effects. And even now, I can look at those special effects and go, they're still pretty watchable. Even like they did a, uh, they did a touch up in 2007 with sure. CG. And that's what I show like newbies that are just watching the show for the yeah. first time. 
uh, because it. Uh, but the original series still, it looks and feels and sounds like no other show. Like Next Generation, the joke I made about the Hilton lobby, that's yeah. kind of what Next Generation always felt like to me. And I could not, like when I was a kid, I really tried to get into it and I never really could. Sure. Deep Space Nine is a show that I saw a little bit in college. I need to actually do a rewatch. Uh, I have a weird affection for Enterprise, uh, which is You just like Scott Bakula. I do like the back. Dude. Who Uh, does not like Scott? If you don't like Scott Bakula, I will fight you. Public announcement. Scott Bakula. I remember I was watching The Informant and Bakula showed up. And I'm like, Scott Bakula's in this movie. I was in the theater. That's that that Matt Damon Soderbergh Matt Damon Soderbergh. Yeah, I'm a huge Soderbergh. That's a weird movie. Soderbergh's like my favorite working director. So I've, I've got a real like... Like I own, I own like all of his modern movies on Blu-ray, and it's hilarious. I was an office PA on the Nick, which oh, he di- which he directed. I un- until it, I bulged two uh, discs in my lower back, and oh. then I wasn't a PA anymore. Yeah, the Nick was a wonderful show. I you know I've heard it's really really good. I have I on Blu-ray. We can sit down he and couldn't watch, watch it because it was a uh, yeah. It, it, I mean, he literally has been not, not been able to get work ever since he got injured on that oh, show, but wow. did not get workers' comp because the way that it was filed was a shitty oh, paperwork. Yeah, it was, there's Cinemax probably. Uh, yeah, they they filed it as that like he was worked he was laid off as an insurance liability, not that he got hurt on the job. Yeah, there there's oh, a lot man. of yeah. Was, there's like a lot of layers. American there because labor Hollywood laws terrific. Is sometimes terrible. My my, fa- my favorite but, story though. So there's like a lot of trauma there. That's like, cool, cool. This show seemed great and it was a great job. And then I got injured and now I've been out of work for four years. Yeah. But my, my, my like. favorite story from the production of that was we, they built the hospital in, uh, in one of these studios in Williamsburg. And, they, uh, and for a hot second, Soderbergh wanted to uh, light it all with gas. Oh, yeah. And eventually someone like higher up had to go, yeah. We're not gonna turn the studio into a bomb. <laughs> like, yeah, he's uh, that is like I, I read about that, and I was like, yeah, that's like Kubrick was like the last guy that could get by with that kind of yeah kind of stuff. And even then, yeah. have you seen Logan Lucky? Uh, yeah, really I, enjoyed it. Okay, I, cool. uh, I I need to see it again because I saw it at the Nighthawk here, and I mm-hmm. love Nighthawk. See, but we, right we arrived, we yeah, we arrived a little late, and uh, so we were right up front. Gotcha. So I enjoyed it. I gave it yeah. three and a half out of five on my letterboxed when I saw it, but I need to see, I'm going to buy it. Cause sure. I, it's Shannon, it's C. Tate's C. Tate's and Soderbergh. It's always worth watching. Those yeah, that's fair. But so back to Star Trek, it's back to Star Trek as much as I love talking about Soderbergh and Channing yeah. Tatum's abs. Dude. Don't talk to me about Channing Tatum in space or I'll start talking to you about Jupiter ascending again. <laughs> okay. No, oh, let's not. Boy. Let's not. You guys did that. That was bad. I fucking loved that movie. I, I don't know. care. I know. I know. <laughs> so, yeah. So Star Trek was to me, it was the first adult show I ever liked. And um, with the number of really talented writers and directors that worked on it, it's a great. If kind of blue is like how you get people into jazz. You sure. say, listen to this. And then you can look at the roster and say, oh, wow, that guy, Cannonball Adderley. Oh, there's, they've got a record by that guy. What's that sound like? Well, it's really good. God, Cannonball uh, Adderley rules. He does. Uh, but um, with Star Trek, you go, oh, Harlan Ellison wrote that really good episode, City on the Edge of Forever. Right. What else has he done? Theodore Sturgeon wrote some stuff. What else has he done? Didn't Matheson do a few? Uh, uh, Matheson did uh, two. He actually... Um, he was more of a Twilight plagi- Zone guy, right? Yeah, but he also plagiarized short stories he'd written ah. 10 years before for each of his Star Treks. He did The Enemy Within, where Captain Kirk gets split into two. I think that was Matheson. And then he did... Um, 
Wolf in the Fold, which is the return of Jack the Ripper as a spookity space ghost thing. <laughs> Not the cool space ghost that we love from the cartoons. Hmm. Uh, We're actually going to be doing a new podcast rewatching that. Yeah. Space people. Ghost? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Space Ghost is great. We're going to do a Space Ghost rewatch called I, Ghost to Ghost. I love 60s sci-fi, except for like the really obviously kiddified stuff like Lost in Space. Sure. Like the, a lot of the cartoons, I love the aesthetic of them. And that's another thing that I think really attracts me to Star Trek over a lot of other sci-fi is that it is bright pop technicolor. It's yeah, like totally. Superman comics. And um, also, uh, it's ethics um, were, for the time, super progressive. And I sure. grew up in the South in the 70s and 80s, which made them still super progressive. Sure. Um, and it's kind of fun. It's kind of awkward now to talk about, yes, Captain Kirk slaps a woman in one episode, and the final episode of the series has some questionable gender ethics and yeah. it, a but lot of it's stuff still back then. It's, yeah but it still stands up like uh with a modern audience and i get it but with a modern audience they have to learn that that pro- being progressive means seeing where we've come from and where we've gotten yeah. and where we can go and also understanding that it wasn't it may not have been the writer's intent but you know you've got a studio you've got a producer you've got everything else yeah so yes Star Trek the original series is what uh, is the first uh, adult-oriented fiction that I loved. And it's such a rich world. Um, and now I write a lot about the production of it and everything like that on my blog. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. It gets you real insight into how the sausage is made. Because sure. it's a show that's been covered so thoroughly from a production standpoint mm-hmm. that... Nowadays, I really appreciate what it takes to get something on the air because even what they had to do in the '60s, they have to do even better now. Yeah. Um. So it's one of those things where I, I mean, like I said, I haven't really seen it, but I do understand that a lot of things that I do love and a lot of things I did watch yeah. would not exist without Star Trek having existed. Yeah. That and they, it's so formative and it laid so much groundwork, even in terms of structure of sci-fi shows even just like sometimes having a monster a week like i feel like star trek yeah. is the first one of the first shows to just like do a monster a week they, that wasn't a cartoon that, that wasn't, wasn't you know, a scooby-doo yeah. they um <laughs> they actually took that and made yeah. it still you care about the characters even if they're just fighting somebody new yeah every week. The did they ever cross over with scooby-doo like it no. wouldn't it wouldn't have surprised me no and, no yeah. they did not um <laughs> though there was that one star trek episode where mama Cass shows up <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah. that wasn't a joke no i was. can never tell with you yeah the um First episode they aired, the Man Trap was a straight Monster of the Week episode that could have been a Twilight Zone episode or something yeah. like sure. that. Um, and the Man Trap is really interesting because uh, it go, kind of ends up going against what would be the general ethos of the show is that you don't kill strange life forms when you first meet them. And over the course of the first season, especially now that you can watch it streaming or on Blu-ray or whatever, mm-hmm. you can see about the middle of the first season they figure out that while the Monster of the Week formula works, killing things is not the answer. Yeah. Yeah. That talking, negotiating, and that's another thing that really appeals to it's me. It's another about very Star 60s Trek. thing, too. It's a very you know, 60s you're, you're thing. You're very in that, like, uh, yeah, they were love dealing, type thing. And you were dealing with the Vietnam War. So yeah. literally, families were being torn apart because young men were being sent off to fight in a war on a part of the planet nobody knew about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so seeing a show where we did things besides bomb somebody to death or kill somebody was really hopeful. Um, And um, it's one of those things that I really love about the show is that it, it tells me that we make it 
that we sure. make it that I know it's fake. I 100% know Star Trek is fake, but I love to watch things that say we make it. It's a reason I love Superman. He tells us that God can come down, shoot lasers out of his eyes, <laughs> fly incredibly fast, be able to rip buildings apart. But you know what? He doesn't. He takes care of us. Except for in yeah. that one movie. Except for that. You know what? I have yet to see that movie. I have yet to see either of those movies, and I'm okay with that. We're talking about Superman Returns, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I actually kind of... Me too. I, I like that one. I, there's big chunks of that movie I love. I love yeah. the Metropolis uh, gas leak rescue sequence because that's like pure Superman. Oh, yeah. And like the, oh, with yeah. like the plane and everything. Like. Yeah, yeah, the plane crash sequence is like still Brent, really good. Brendan Routh is a really good Clark Kent. He, he's a really... Yeah, he's really he great is. at both roles. Uh, I, I, I really he like him. He makes a better Adam, though. Yeah, I like that's him on true. Yeah. What I've seen him, I, I really liked him on that. So, yeah. That with me, Star Trek was, uh, and it still informs a lot of storytelling. And it also teaches, the trouble with Tribbles, I tell this to people all the time, trouble with Tribbles made me want to write. And that's why I write comics every once in a while now. It's, I think the trouble with Tribbles is. That's a, one of the ones I do know. <laughs> yeah, but it's actually a perfect uh, four, you know, three break, four yeah. act structure. That was Jane where, Espenson, right? Uh, <laughs> Didn't she? Well, no, I, she submitted oh, the story. Oh, she worked on, she, no, Trouble with Tribbles was uh, David Gerald, but Trouble with Tribbles, she might have worked on the Deep Space Nine episode. I'm not okay. really familiar. Because there's a Deep Space Nine episode where they, come they tr- travel back in time to the Trouble with Tribbles, oh. and it's actually really cleverly done. Okay. Um, so you see the Deep Space Nine crew in the background of the Star Trek episode. Oh, nice. Because um, I could have sworn I heard a story. That's really funny. They had, an, uh, they had open submissions. For the original series for writing, uh, and no, Jane's she, not that old. I th- yeah, that's. I, I don't, it might have been next gen or something. Yeah, I, no, I would not be surprised if it was next gen because next gen, uh, Roddenberry believed in having open submissions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it must have been um, next gen then, and they kept that policy through Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Oh wow, that's I cool. Think they, I didn't know that about him. I think they they stopped that though uh, with Enterprise. Networks got very involved. Yeah, and with Enterprise. Uh, with the last season of that show, you can see what good showrunners can do with, with sure. that. And that, that gives me hope for discovery because it has some really good showrunners, uh, some I'm really so good every, producers. Every promo image I see of those women, I'm just like, yes, I want to go kick asses in space. Yeah. See, it's uh, an a- Asian woman <laughs> and a black woman beating ass. That's, and, that's and Anthony Rapp is in the mix. Yeah. Anthony Rapp's there. I was like, Whoa, gosh, they, um, and, uh, what's his name from the Harry Potters? Uh, is playing Captain Lorca. Uh, um, which character was he in Harry uh, Potter? I don't, you know, I only saw like one of those movies. Oh, yeah. he's, a, he's like a dad or I'm something. I was going to assume it's Jim Broadbent. No, it's not Jim Broadbent. Because oh, is it the guy that played Weasley Mr. Dad? Weasley? No, it's black hair, black hair, short. Anyway. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I believe you, can, you. you know what? You can look it up, put it in the show notes. I believe you. <laughs> yeah, I'll put Cedric it in the show notes like I, like I always do. Yeah. It's not the guy from Twilight. Don't yeah. worry, guys. It's yeah. not Cedric Diggory. <laughs> no, no, it's not Cedric. If it was, it's, no, it's not Robert Pattinson, guys. <laughs> no, um, that was that yeah. was that was our Pats. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Baby, our Pats. Who I just saw in Good Time. Um, what is that? I, I've I'm okay. seeing it's playing everywhere, but I've, I just time, hadn't heard about it until Good like a week Time ago. is about a grifter one night in New York trying to get together enough money to get his brother uh, out on bail, and things go horribly wrong. Okay, that does sound his, like a good time. Yeah, to get his mentally uh, mentally disabled brother or a um. differently abled brother out of uh, out of jail, and he's trying to get together ten thousand dollars, and it's nothing goes right for him. And Pattinson is really great in it. That's the thing. 
Twilight has quietly given us two really good actors. Yeah. Twilight is terrible, but oh, Stewart's yeah. really turned into a good actress. And Pattinson. Oh, yeah, Robert Pattinson is a good actor. My favorite thing about him, though, is that no one hates Twilight more than him. Oh, yeah. Like, including when they were doing it. Like, whenever they did press things, it was very clear that no one hated it more than him, which was astounding to me. Yeah. <laughs> and Kristen Stewart, too. She's phenomenal in Adventureland. Yeah, she was great. And I need to see Personal Shopper. I've, I've heard that's heard, very good. I've heard really good things about it. So if we had to... How long did the original Star Trek run? I know some of this was, is probably Google. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to talk about it. It was, uh, it was three seasons. It's about... It's 79 episodes okay. total. So with, it's not as many as I would yeah, think for its impact. For its impact. Uh, well, you got to remember, it lived on in reruns. Yeah. And, and the animated one. And th- there was the short-lived animated series, which I think has less than 30 episodes. So with Star Trek, what happened was they had a first season and they did pretty well. Um, but it was never a ratings blockbuster. The thing is, they didn't have modern demographics then. Yeah. Sure. They did not understand that there was a high, that its demographic was, not, it, it's the sheer numbers it wasn't big, but it penetrated very deep with young men and women ages 18 to 30. Yeah, which that sounds, tell, like, that sounds like what would be perhaps a, a key demographic. Yeah. In fact, um, People have experts in the industry said, yeah, we would kill for those numbers today. I mean, nowadays they'd kill yeah. for anything in the millions. Um, yeah. When the first episode of Star Trek, 40% of the TVs in America tuned in to watch it. And still every week, 25 to 30% of TVs in general watched it. And it still didn't last past the third season, which says how competitive the landscape was then. Yeah. And it was an expensive show to make. So what happened was... First season, the show was created by Gene Roddenberry. Um, in the first season, he hired um, some really good showrunners, um, Robert Justman, and later on, Gene Kuhn became part of it. And when Gene Kuhn joined the show, that's when it became good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why the second season of Star Trek, you, you watch that and you're like, oh my gosh, if it was all this good, it would be the best show ever. The third season, Gene Roddenberry uh, wanted to go and make other shows for various reasons. One of which was his ego was not being stroked enough by Desilu or NBC. So Star Trek was Desilu. Star Trek was Desilu. Huh. Uh, and that's so like, was, that's like how uh, Mel Brooks is a producer on the fly. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, Star Trek and Mission Impossible were both Desilu productions. They were the most expensive productions, but they were also uh, incredibly profitable for them in the long term. Oh yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. But so. He leaves in the third season. A guy named Frederick Freiberger takes over, and and NBA, and their budget is severely. It goes down from season to season. The per episode budget. So by the third season, the cracks are really starting to show. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, Shatner is becoming more unmanageable. He's counting lines, um, and it was actually getting for some of the actors very unpleasant to work on the show, mm-hmm. and it was just not bringing in the numbers. Yeah. But. It hit UHF, it hit reruns, and it's also the birth of modern fandom. Yeah. And uh, a lot of male Trekkers in my age group have a problem with this. Uh, Slash kind of saved Star Trek, and they don't like to talk about it. We talked about Slash yesterday with somebody on the episode. Specifically Star Trek Slash. Well, because that's where it comes from. That's That's Star Trek Kirk Slash Spock. That's Slash. We had a whole conversation about this yesterday. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and it's one of those things where... um, I actually had a revelation a few years ago. I'm going off topic. No. I had a revelation a few years ago um, where I, I collect any kind of book about 
the production and the making of and oh here's a bunch of fake starships i made in mm-hmm. auto to i've i've got like archive boxes in the bedroom under the bed uh, i should have pulled them out so you guys could be horrified um and they have that kind of stuff and i had this revelation i'm like yeah this is my slash yeah my oh yeah i want to see a starship with three nacelles i want to see one with two saucer sections i want to see one where they say it goes warp 12 care I, yeah <laughs> but that's the same thing sure. for a lot of for a lot of women that love the show mm-hmm. and uh the slash element it's kind of impossible to deny and to me it showed uh when i was watching uh star trek three and four with my girlfriend she'd never seen three mm-hmm. and at the end i'm crying uh as one does at the end of star Is trek the one 3. with the whale no, that's four. Okay, I but I still know. cry a little bit at the All end. All I know is one of them has a whale. Three is search for Spock. Search for Spock. Three is a search for Spock, and I realized that it also informed how I think men should behave, which has actually been a topic mm-hmm. where men don't have deep friendships. Men are mm-hmm. lonely, and it's something that people don't talk about. Is that a lot of men are lonely? No, we're yeah. not shut up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, men are lonely, and and like seeing that as a kid, seeing like grown men that took care of each other mm-hmm. and even without the sexual element that yeah I, of course that now i can joke about yeah i think it's sure. i think it's hilarious when kirk grabs spock's hand and star trek the motion picture spock says this simple feeling is beyond their comprehension i'm like mm-hmm. my god if i was a, a lonely gay kid in sheboygan seeing that oh my god you guys are talking to me yeah i totally get it but yeah um but yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. Adults, you don't see a lot of healthy male friendships. Yeah, healthy male friendships where when Spock dies that are in not Star based Trek on II, being infantile. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You've got you've got the modern comedy idiom yeah. where men are idiots. Um, yeah. I'm no, sorry. Not, spoiler up. alert for a 30 year old, 35 year old movie. Star Trek Two ends with Spock's death. Yeah. Um, it leaves a gaping wound in in Jim Kirk, and that actually told me it was okay to grieve. Because very rarely in media do men grieve. Yeah. And he, at the beginning of Star Trek Three, he's a wreck. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of informed me that men should have feelings. Mm-hmm. I think I've always been a little more open about my feelings. I'll cry at a movie. I don't care. Yes, yeah, I don't, I got, I've got nothing to hold. I've, you've got nothing to lose. Yeah. yeah. And if you're going out with a chick for the first time, she sees you cry at Babe Pig in the City. You're getting to third base that night, buddy. <laughs> I mean, I mean the 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 like ultimate Kobayashi Maru uh, date big. situation would be first date uh, to go see Marley and Me. Yeah. No, I yeah. refuse to see that. Um, so, so if yeah. it didn't, so it gets canceled after the third season. It hits reruns. It still has okay. It still has reruns. It has licensed novels. Yeah. So how do we get to the movies? Oh, uh, so canceled? what I mean, happened you don't is see that they many saw that get canceled that get movies. Yeah. So what happens was there was this groundswell of support. Okay. You, you saw UHFs that you saw TV stations telling Paramount the which now had the rights mm-hmm. uh, because uh, Paramount took over the reins I think in the middle of the or the beginning of the third season when Desilu sold itself to Paramount. Paramount Pictures is an incredible, you know, I don't know if you know about them. They're yeah, kind of right? a little ramshackle yeah, little outfit. Right? So Paramount Pictures is like getting this information from TV stations across the country saying, yeah, um, your Star Trek show that you guys have owned for five, six, seven years now is beating our weekly, our nightly news, is beating any other show that we air 
except for maybe new episodes, new episodes of the hot dramas, but yeah. it's sure. like got incredible draw in our, de- in, in, in our area and to this key demographic. So what happens is Gene Roddenberry is like, I've got it. I'll make star Trek phase two. Okay. And he talks to everybody and everybody's like, okay, yeah, we'll do another star Trek series. Except for Leonard Nimoy is like, nah, man, I'm a, I'm happy doing stage work. I'm I gotta, happy I gotta not, go make three men and a baby. I, I, uh, we're talking the '70s, so <laughs> the, the dancing is in the future. For I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy being a phenomenal actor on stage. Yeah, he's he's you know he's doing uh, he's doing. Uh, I've never actually seen any footage from it. But apparently, he did a Vincent Van Gogh play that was extremely oh, wow. well yeah. received. He he had he had dreams of one day directing a ride film for Epcot. Yo. because well, okay, there's the thing with <laughs> so, Leonard Nimoy. I think that not that all of there's a lot of jokes about, uh, you know, there's a lot of jokes about Shatner's acting and stuff. And I think all of them are great actors in their own right. But Leonard Nimoy is like a very good, like universally yeah. Oh, yeah. a yeah. phenomenal yeah. actor. Yeah, like you can like, see him. Not in, just in genre things, not just in, y- y- he is a good actor. <laughs> in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 70s remake by Philip Kaufman of that, he is genuinely, strangely terrifying mm-hmm. as just a psychiatrist. Oh, yeah. And he, yeah. he has a... Uh, he has one of the funniest lines in all of The Simpsons. Yeah, uh, when they're on the monorail, oh, yeah. and uh, he's the, he's the celebrity guest that comes to help them open the monorail. And uh, at the very end, you know, the Homer saves the day, and uh, uh, Nimoy says something. He looks up at the sun and like an eclipse goes away. He's like, ah, the cosmic ballet goes on, and he goes, and then Barney's like, no, he goes, my work here is done, done. Yeah. and Barney goes. You didn't do anything. <laughs> and he goes, didn't I? Didn't I? Yeah, and, and then beams beamed off. off. So yeah. So so Terrible. you have. Stop with stop, your legs. Stop wrecking my shit, man. Oh. Hit the bricks, pal. I'm okay. Sit here with your little lady. We're gonna chat about the Star Trek. All right. So anyway. So anyway. So Star Trek Phase Two starts to get into production. Mm-hmm. Um. As a t- and, as a TV and, show. And as a TV show, and there had been little like trying to revive it as a as a movie before. Sure. There was a thing called Star Trek Planet of the Titans. There was a couple of little things because they'd gotten early indications and they were like waffling on whether they're going to do a movie or do a TV series. Mm-hmm. So Star Trek Phase 2 gets to a certain point and Paramount's like, um, so the Star Wars movie ah. that just happened. Ah. We, uh, why don't we do that? Why don't we? We're producing a thing. And the thing is, they a lot of the sets and everything they built they just made them better to use for the motion picture. Right. So then Star Trek, the motion picture, which was directed by Robert Wise of West Side Story, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Really? He's a goddamn director. Yeah. Sure. And now the movie is a um, is kind of one of those things that it's a slow paced intellectual sci-fi film that's mm-hmm. not much like. Star Trek on TV. Boring. And did, did Roddenberry write Roddenberry that? wrote. Roddenberry yeah. was very heavily involved in the writing. Gene Roddenberry wrote the novelization of it even, which introduced interesting concepts to Star Trek that closely aligned to Gene Roddenberry's interesting sexual politics in real <laughs> life. Uh, but, um, so yeah, it's the most Roddenberry of productions. The thing is, um, it came out it did really well in the box office, but it had a huge bloated budget because they folded in the cost of doing the TV series, oh, all the earlier versions of the things. So they're like, yeah, this all is the, the most production ex- on the TV. All, yeah. all the, of, of all the various things. They're like, this is the most expensive movie ever made. 
at the time. They didn't say at the time because it was the time. But turns out Superman the movie actually was more expensive, but let's ignore that. And most of that went so, to Brando anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so with uh, Star Trek The Most Future comes out, and it does well enough, and Paramount is like, okay, the problem was Gene Roddenberry because he was all over the place. He was late with scripts. Um, Robert Wise did not get to do a nice final edit of the movie. The one that we saw in theaters um, and that you watch now uh, on Blu-ray or streaming is not what he wanted to do. It's a little long. They've never done a they recut? Did, they did a recut, but and they actually added some... Added a couple new sequences, chopped a bunch of staring out the viewport footage, um, but they only re- they only did it at 480p. Oh, because ah. it was for DVD. Because at the time DVDs as good as it's going to get. So there's all these assets that are all rendered at 480p. So it's unlikely that we're going to see a director's cut that you could watch yeah. anytime soon. But it is a much better movie for having. I mean, Robert Wise was not a shabby director. Sure. And he handed in um, a, a, a version of the movie um, earlier than he wanted to. Yeah. And we're going to pause now. Yeah. Because my girlfriend's coming up. Ah. That's fine. We'll be right back. Everybody strap in. On the next all-new Orville. We got to get out of here now. Get ready for an adventure that threatens one of their own. That's the guy! Do you have any idea how bad this is? But if you've missed the new must-see TV... Watch any episode, anytime. That doesn't excite you? I think everyone's going to want to see this. The Orville, starring Seth MacFarlane. All new, Thursdays or anytime on demand or Fox Now. I did it. All Yay. right, so we're back. Um, so I was rambling. Yeah, sorry well, we about were, the pause No, we were, talking, we were talking about how the movies got made. Yeah. And so the first one was the biggest budget ever. Yeah. But then they still did another they, one. <laughs> the, well, they realized that Gene Roddenberry was the big problem, was, was kind of a, a, a problem with yeah. it because he fought a lot with the studio. So they had Harv Bennett, best known at the time for cre- co-creating and producing The Six Million Dollar Man and The Bionic Woman, which were incredibly profitable shows yeah. that were blockbusters, that were television blockbusters. So, and he knew how to run things tight. And he hired Nicholas Meyer to direct Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. He directed uh, Man Who Fell to Earth? No, that's Nicholas Roeg. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But Nicholas Meyer directed a Sherlock Holmes film, The 7% Solution, based on his novel. No, oh, okay. No, uh, I may be lying about that. He wrote The 7% Solution. Yeah, I think he did direct the film based on it, too. Uh, you can fact check me after that. But Nicholas Meyer was a very fast, efficient director. So they gave Star Trek II half the on-paper budget of Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, they already had sets. Mm-hmm. They had footage they could reuse from the first movie of the ship zooming. They just had Kirstie Alley lying around. They, they had Kirstie Alley and cryogenic freeze. They unfroze her. Uh, no, and they um, basically gave them new uniforms, said, oh, it's five years later uh, or ten years later. Chekhov's in charge. Chekhov's, in, uh, Chekhov's not in charge, thank God. He's first officer on the Reliant. But yeah, and after that, they saw that if you made a movie for 30 or $40 million and it made $180 million, That's in nice. the in the in the 80s and 90s, that was in the 80s. In early '90s, that was really nice. Yeah, um, that and it's we don't have that kind of uh, mid-budget sci-fi film anymore. No. Uh, we don't have that kind of mid-budget movie. It, it seems at all In anymore. General, no. Yeah, we were just talking about Logan Lucky. Uh, that's kind of the exception that proves the rule. That 
And it's funny, you get micro-budget movies that do gangbusters, and people are trying to yeah. figure out. Yeah, Get Out yeah. made, Get Out's the most profitable movie of all time, I yeah. think. Uh, it's, it's, it's More definitely, than Blair Witch, I th- yeah. think. It's, it's definitely the highest grossing movie uh, by an African-American director, yeah. I know that much. But yeah, so, um, and so, yeah, it led to the six movies. Uh, Gene Roddenberry kind of disgruntled by his decreased involvement in the franchise through two and three that's when he started to create Star Trek for uh, around the time of pre-production on Star Trek four was when he started to work on Star Trek, the next generation, oh. which, you know, which actually I do think Star Trek being on television is incredibly important to the franchise. Yeah. I yeah. really I enjoy mean, it was certainly the influential and it brought in a huge new group of people. Yeah. And I, and may I not be the strongest for the brand. Yeah. I, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy the Kelvin movies. A lot, and I've got a lot that I really love about them. What do you, what do you mean by the Kelvin movies? That's the Kelvin universe is what they the official designation of the J.J. Abrams. Yes. Oh, yeah, gotcha. because it's all because of the Kelvin incident that kicks off Star Trek 2009. Oh, gotcha. When sure, Jim sure. Kirk's dad dies, blah 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 blah. That's not supposed to happen. Yeah, changes. Sure. So I think that's actually kind of a handy way of referring to it. Sure. You can go. Oh, is this Kelvin universe or not? Yeah. So the new series Discovery is re- ten years before. I remember when Kirk we and Spock. when we saw the first. One now again, I don't have much context have on anything. regular Star Trek, but I mean, it was fun. It was a fun. It was an action movie. It was a space movie. It was. I like fucking action movies. I like space movies. I like space shit. Um, I mean, one of the when I was saying that like thing. So it's a little off chat, but one of the shows that I fucking love, and I'm still anybody who wants to come on and talk with me about this. I fucking love Stargate. Stargate oh, would man. not exist had Star Trek not existed. No, yeah, Stargate. You know? and, and so. <laughs> Yeah, Stargate's a combination of Star Trek and the X-Files production yeah. ethos. and it would like not some, exist without Star Trek having existed. So, like, I plus, know that. And plus, so, Star Trek but I, never so I had, love a good space thing. Yeah. Plus, Star Trek never had a Dom DeLuise episode. No. Oh yeah. It there was, was a, a Dom DeLuise. Failing. There was a Dom DeLuise episode of Stargate SG-1, and Brandon happened, when I was last re-watching it, Brandon happened to be home during that one, and he was fascinated. No, I am obsessed Peter, with that episode. Did Peter DeLuise direct episodes of Stargate? Because I know he became a television director. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I would not I'm be surprised if he... not a good person he, to know who did stuff. Yeah, if he... If he He's like, hey, Dad, I'm making this uh, Stargate show. It's uh, Star Trek, but they go through a gate instead. It's like a and they super, all have they all have machine guns. It's like a super weird so. episode because he gets like inserted into all of their brains as like a thing. Basically, no one can see him except for the team. So it's a lot of like ghosts, Dom DeLuise, just like yelling at them yeah, and them being, being really like, shut irritating. up. And everybody else is like, who the fuck are you talking about? I feel like I, we've I, talked, I, we've I talked about this on the show a number anyone. of times. I don't want to hear anyone say that episodes like Spock's brain where Spock's brain was stolen is ridiculous when Stargate gets by with Ghost Deluise. Yeah, Ghost Deluise, for sure. Ghost Deluise. But all I was saying though is I so I love Star I love just space stuff. So I liked so I liked the new movies. But I do remember after the first one, my mother insists on listening to these, so she's gonna hear these, but it's true, you can't get mad about it. She called me and she got so mad because she didn't understand the like parallel universe time travel even aspect though, of it. Even and though, I like tried explaining to her and I remember ending that phone call with me yelling, I can't explain time travel to you. And then I hung up. I That's actually one of the things I admired about the movie was how neatly they explained it. Yeah. They're yeah. like, okay, everyone knows Spock. Well, I He's thought going it was to be the pivot. But apparently not. Yeah. He's going to be the pivot character. However, uh, similar to that, my parents watched the Star Wars prequels, had no idea they were prequels. 
Really? That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I could I could see that if if you if you didn't don't have care. Like, yeah, if you don't yeah. care, you could just think it's a new thing. Oh, sorry, I don't know. If oh, it's... No, no, it's a. Sorry, my phone is showing a scam caller. Yeah. That's all Ooh. I get are scam callers anymore. Nobody yeah, nobody calls me, me on the hotline bling. That's sad. Um. So let's talk. Let's talk some episodes that you would recommend if somebody like me. Hadn't well, seen and them. and what's great about Star Trek is because it was made in a time before. Uh, Huge continuity. Yeah, continuity ongoing, our season long arcs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, from the, uh, I really I mentioned it earlier. The enemy within mm-hmm. um, is a really good early spook episode. Um, Captain Kirk gets divided in two by the transporter. There's the intellectual, soft side of him, and then the horn dog aggressive side of him. Mm-hmm. And they have to figure out what to do with this two Kirks, mm-hmm. too many Kirks. Do they? <laughs> do they? Oh, do yes. they? Do they kiss? They do not kiss. Too leading many to, Kirks. Leading to much disappointment. By the way, I literally only figured out a few months ago that too many cooks. Cook is the family name. Oh, oh. oh yeah, no, I did know that. From that makes the sense. Very early. Yeah, I'd never like, yeah. and I was thinking about. It, I was like, oh, they're probably like. Peter Cook and Robert Cook and Jane Cook. That yeah, makes sense. That's from yeah, the, but anyway, the first part of the video. It's, so, it's said, but it kind of in passing. Uh, as as far as like OG series episodes go, the only ones I really know about are the one where Kirk fights that lizard guy in oh. the desert. It's the Gorn music, right? Is yeah, that the name? So no, no. The episode's called Arena. That was the first episode of the show I ever saw when I was oh, a wow. kid. Oh wow! I what? Arena. Okay. There's but it's that not a Gorn. one. Is that a thing I made up? There, there's that one, and then there's City on the Edge of Forever because South Park did that. Yeah. In like the oh, South Park season. did a city. Yeah, they, well, their episode is just straight up called City on the Edge of Forever, and it's it's pretty heavily influenced by the Star Trek episode. Okay, so I'm going through. I'm looking at the first disc, uh, first season on the Blu-ray set in my hands. So the pilot uh, for Star Trek is Where No Man Has Gone Before. Okay. Yeah. And it's not a really especially great episode, but it's really interesting seeing where the series started and where it's going to. Um, I um, uh, really recommend The Naked Time, which okay. is in the first season, The Naked Time. And, and then it's, it aired, it's sequel The Naked Time, 33 to 30. The, the, naked, the Naked Now was actually the sequel that Star Trek The Next Generation <laughs> did. Fair enough. It, joke. Book. Yeah, I'm just gonna. Stop. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna drag your jo- goofs. I'm gonna I'm gonna drag your goofs out back and shoot them in the uh, head. Do. Yep. Please. So um, our listeners would would thank you. So my wife na- would thank you. It's just a lot of goof shooting. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so that that should be your next podcast is goof shooting. Is you just trying to do goofs and us yelling at you? Yeah. That's kind of what this show already. That's is. That's what an open mic is. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, there's a reason I do improv. <laughs> yeah. So the naked time is an episode where virus infects the crew and they all go kind of wacky and start revealing their deepest, darkest secret secrets. Okay. And it airs kind of early in the series, which is interesting because it was produced fairly late uh, because they produced a bunch of the show before they got it to air. Uh, so it's kind of weird because people don't quite know Spock, but seeing Spock break down crying because he has problems with his human half. Yeah, you know, he's half human. Uh, sure. It's really, really great. Um, the enemy within, I've mentioned the Corbomite maneuver. I think is probably the most important episode of the Star who, Trek. The, the Corbomite, Corbomite. Corbomite, not Carbonite, but the Corbomite maneuver. 
It's actually how I was just talking how Star Trek kind of pivoted a bit to being not about the violent solution and is about an excellent nonviolent solution to a unimaginable threat. And it's very funny, very clever. Um, it's got a little bit of over-the-top acting from a gentleman we won't see on this series again. But overall, it's one of those episodes that, it, at least in the uh, 70s and 80s, consistently showed up on top 10 lists. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. uh, the Menagerie is interesting because it actually, there's two parts to it. It actually reuses the original pilot for Star Trek. Okay. That was the cage that was shot, and then they fired everyone. Not everyone, but they fired most everyone. So there's an unaired there's pilot. There's an unaired pilot that you can now watch. Yeah. Uh, the cage uh, featured uh, Captain Christopher Pike uh, running the Starship Enterprise. Oh, so that's played where by that comes, Bruce Greenwood. That's where he comes from. That's where he comes from. And he was, uh, and so they, they've kind of established it, con- you know, as continuity that he was captain of the Enterprise before Kirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it features a Spock that smiles, which is really disturbing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It features aliens called the Telosians, who are like incredible, uh, capable of incredible mind things. But anyway, the Menagerie is a really cool. Well, we've got this unaired pilot. We need to be able to use this footage and get our money back on yeah. it. Yeah. So it's got a really cool wrapper where you uh, Spock steals the ship. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. And you're like, "What's going on?" And you find out, and it all relates to the original unaired pilot. Yeah. You know, I found a really good Telosian joint down on... Uh, okay, what do we uh, just say about bits? I don't know. What do we just say about goofs? Yeah. If you see the episode, they look like they eat pastes. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm now on looking at disc four of the Blu-ray set. Uh, Balance of Terror is one of the all-time greats. It's the first time we meet the Romulans, who are a staple mm-hmm. of the franchise. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, uh, le- and it's, legit question. There, there's the planet Romulus, but it, there's a planet Remus too, right? There, uh, there is Romulus and Remus. They're a twin uh, planetary right. system. Yeah. That Vulcan, that Vulcans that were not interested in being logical, peaceful, cool folk moved to. Oh, okay. Like two millennia before. Yeah. I was gonna say because gotcha. they were kind. Of, that was one thing I did get from the new ones that the Romulans and the Vulcans were sort of. They're really they're related. They're like your drunk cousins at a wedding. Yeah. Sure. Right. They don't really know how to keep their 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 shit. Jokes straight. on my cousins because I'm gonna be the drunk cousin at this wedding and it's my own. That's that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Um, but it's basically run silent, run deep Although, in space. Actually. I may not be because I invited my cousins and all their kids and they all joined me in the decision that they're like, we're not bringing our kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. So we may all be the drunk cousins at the wedding. <laughs> That's excellent. So, yeah, um, Balance of Terror is essentially run silent, run deep in space. It's a great military drama. Okay. Uh, s- submarine battle, essentially, in space. All right. Uh, Tomorrow is Yesterday uh, is the episode, is the first time travel episode. They go back to the 60s. Okay. Uh, and uh, after accidentally warping around a sun, uh, and they end up in the sixties. Which end up was, in the sixties where they go around the sun. That's probably where Stargate that's got where it. They from got it. But I'm saying that's that's what I'm saying. They did. And that's, there is and there's a Stargate episode where it happened. They they did went through the gate during a solar flare and they end up in the sixties. Yeah. Um, do they meet Dom DeLuise there? They do not meet Dom DeLuise. Yeah. Also, Arena, uh, as I mentioned. Space That's Seed. The lizard one. Yeah, it's the Lizard One. Space Seed is the introduction of Khan. I've heard of that one. Khan Dini and Singh. So he was he in was, the series. Yeah. He, he wasn't just in the movie. And uh, okay. what happened was Harv Bennett sat down. He actually, when he got hired to do produce Star Trek 2, 
he never watched the show. Mm-hmm. Paramount just knew he was a consummate professional to get the job done. Yeah. So he watched the entire series trying to find a bad guy they could use. Okay. Because he, he was like, oh, you need an enemy. Yeah. Sure. If, you, if you're doing a movie, you need an enemy. The first movie did not have a bad guy. Yeah. Which, to some extent, works, to some extent, doesn't. I've, I've heard that the real uh, bad guy was just, like, the audience's time. The audience's time was the enemy. Um, and, uh, and Devil in the Dark is another one, like the Corbin might maneuver. Uh, the Devil in the Dark is an episode where there's a mining colony, and people are getting eaten by some strange acid-belching creature. How are they going to solve this problem? Not with murder. Which would be the typical way that they yeah. handled it in the 60s. Um, da, 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 devil in the dark. <laughs> ba, da, da, ba, da. It's too early. S- yeah. City on the Edge of Forever. We've talked about a bunch. Everyone rightly recognizes it as the best episode of Star Trek. It is a time travel episode. Mm-hmm. Is that um, where the goatees come from? The, no, that's Mirror Mirror, which gotcha. I'll go into. Uh, City on the Edge of Forever, written by Harlan Ellison, uh, kind of. Okay. He wrote the outline. He wrote the first three drafts. Uh, only the opening and closing lines of the episode remain. Uh, sure. Oh. Uh, so he's so it's always like every TV. other TV show. He's actually ang- he's he's still consistently angry about it. But the How people that rewrote him, grudge. That, but the people that rewrote him did a really wonderful, masterful job. Yeah. Sure. Um, season two, a mock time, which is which you find out Vulcans get horny bones every seven years. And it's funny. bad. And Kirk and Spock have to fight each other because Spock's uh, betrothed that he was engaged to as a young Vulcan boy says, uh, I don't want to marry you, Spock. I want to marry Captain Kirk because of she's clever. And she thinks either way she'll get rid of either. If she if, if Kirk kills Spock. Yeah. Well, Kirk's not going to stick around for that. Yeah. Spock kills Kirk. Spock's going to have a meltdown and she can go and be with the guy that she wants to be with. Mm. Even for coldly logical people. That's logical. Yeah. But it's really nasty. Yeah. Uh, A Mock Time is one of those episodes that I really love watching. Uh, Also, uh, Mirror Mirror is, uh, that's the one with the goatees. Where you, Kirk, Spock, Uhura, McCoy, and Scotty are transported to the bad universe, which became a staple of Deep Space Nine. Uh, it's, it's really fun. It is really fun. And, um, watching it with people that haven't seen it before is always a a, a hoot because so many cliches come from that. Oh yeah. Does the, uh, is, is there an evil universe enterprise that has a goatee as well? Uh, The entire ship. Does Zara have a goatee? It's like, uh, what's that, uh, planet from Transformers, the movie that has the goatee. Orson Welles. Orson Welles planet from Transformers, the movie. Sure. Um, uh, so also the doomsday machine is really, really fun. Uh, it's just straight space Moby Dick. Everyone likes a good space Moby Dick story. Yeah. Giant monster, mad man driven to the edge. Captain Kirk tries to keep things together while a Commodore. So there are two episodes with Harry Mudd. There's a first season episode called Mudd's women. Uh, Harry Mudd is the only is one of a very small list of recurring villains mm-hmm. in the history of the original series so i mud um is kind of a follow-up to a first season episode which also featured harry mud that i don't really recommend uh for first timers uh mud's women the first appearance of him he's the kind of guy who helps miners on distance world distant worlds hook up with babes yeah. 
that he's addicted to a drug that makes them beautiful. So not good. So he's that, that is of, that is literally the story of uh, the Andy Daly character Dom DeMillo. Oh, like that is exactly what that is. So yeah, he's got these uh, chicks all hooked on a space drug, and so that episode's got some lighter moments, including yeah. chicks trying to get Spock interested in them, and he's like, "Y'all got to bring your A game." But I Mud uh, is a very a very funny episode where um, Kirk and crew get kidnapped by an android who snuck on the Enterprise. They find out Harry Mud's stuck on a planet full of androids, and he and he's uh, going to try to take over the universe with it. <laughs> and because um, of course he is, because of course he is. But it's really it's really really funny. Star Trek. Uh, also kind of informed my comedic sensibilities where you take serious people trying to do a serious job and you just heighten things in a certain way, which is probably why I love Jack Donaghy so much on 30 yeah. Rock. Sure. Is because he's, he, he, he does not recognize his ridiculousness. Yeah. And iMud is one of those where they do ridiculous things. Um, and we talked about it. We'll talk about it again. Trouble with Tribbles, I think, probably is my favorite episode of the show. I've probably watched it a hundred times. It's, probably a, it's a very iconic one as well. It's an iconic one. It involves the whole crew um, or and everybody kind of has a role to play in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, also following up on that one with another funny one is a piece of the action, which when I showed it at the Somerville Theater in, Bo- in near Boston, uh, I introduced it as the one with the gangster planet. And we all clapped and said yes. "Gangster Planet" a bunch. Okay. Yeah, because they they go to a planet where a earlier Federation ship had left a book, Chicago mobs of the twenties behind, <laughs> and aliens thought, "Hey, that's a great idea for a society." That's it's really very funny. funny. It's that's really awesome. it's really really funny. So, um, um is uh, we got to wrap up uh, relatively shortly. Uh, are there any other sort of topics in OG Star Trek that we haven't gotten to that you would like to cover? Well, I, like I said, I, I talked a lot about the um, a lot a lot about the male friendships and how mm-hmm. it kind of defined that for me. I also think uh, Doctor McCoy. I was going to say if he's at all if that characterization uh, at all carried over, he's my favorite. Carl <laughs> Urban did a great job of resynthesizing DeForest Kelly's performance. Yeah. Dr. McCoy is my favorite character in fiction. Because he he's my sure. favorite in all yeah. the new movies. Because yeah, my favorite person is always the person on the ship that's just like, oh, I'm so he done. Represents I'm a thousand percent us. done re- with you bullshit. He represents the audience. Yeah. He represents... Okay, so there's these other guys. Kirk's a great military guy. He's yeah. obviously worked his way up Starfleet. Uh, Spock, a Vulcan, curious. He wants to examine the universe and yeah. see things. Scotty, he's the engineer. He's got to keep the ship running. Bones is a guy who obviously went through some stuff. Yeah. Joined Starfleet, as we were introduced to him in Star Trek 2009. And that's actually his... Wow. Oh, no. Uh, That's okay. That's actually his backstory that was never explained on the show. If they'd gotten a fourth season, they would do an episode about it. That he had been married and had had an adult daughter. Yeah. And things went sideways for him. Yeah. And that's how he ended up. That's why he's like 10 years older than anyone else. Yeah. Everything like that. So uh, older than everyone else and 10,000% yeah. so, yeah. done with their bullshit, which I, is why he's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> and I, that's one of those, it's interesting because he also is the one that calls Spock out on like, hey, you know what? You've got a human half. Talk to that sometimes. It's got some good ideas. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, just wanted to talk about how great Leonard McCoy is. Um, come to my TED Talk. 
uh, about, Leonard McCoy. about Leonard McCoy. It's 43 hours long. It's got a great slide presentation. Excellent. So it's exactly as long as Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, you know what? You, it's Star Trek The Motion Picture is still shorter than Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Well, there you go then. Yeah, that was very long, actually. <laughs> yeah. no, that, yeah. that I enjoyed it, but there was a certain yeah. point that I was like, is this not yeah, done? I mean, I mean, Guardians, it, has like not, it has like that. Like yeah. the climax is... 35 40 minutes long and i'm like you know what shave off about 10 15 minutes of that make yondu's transformation a little more interesting through backstory but he's mary poppins y'all yeah i made i made my character in uh destiny 2 uh try to look as much like yondu as possible that's a good way to be and i've just been running around jumping off things going i'm mary poppins y'all it's new for him because usually he makes every one of his video characters look as much like david bowie as possible well it's david bowie if i'm playing a mage if i'm not it's abraham lincoln i always play as chicks i usually do i usually usually do even his robot is a lady robot um no my my robot's a dude my robot's a dude but my lady my destiny one character was a a lady okay Okay. why 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 should robots have gender that's one of those things that really bothers me about Star Wars. Because they have, they have to know who to fuck. Yeah, because I'm no, pretty sure. It, you're right. It C-3PO, has no point, C-3PO definitely has a I robot guess, penis. Okay, here's, here's the best answer We've I can all seen come up with. Card. Here's the best answer I can come up with. If you give a robot artificial, artificial intelligence and you accept that their artificial intelligence is as valid as your human brain, then you have to give them the choice to self-identify. Just as you yeah. would give a human. I would. Re- so I get- that's the best answer I can come up with. The that's ethic- the future liberals want. Yeah, that the the ethics of self determination among artificial intelligences in the Star Wars universe will be my other TED talk. Good, good, good. <laughs> Can't wait. So uh, yeah, I uh, I can I can I yeah. re up my blog again? For sure. Yeah, they boldly yeah, well, went. This is, that's a good way. So one of yeah. the things we do is where can people find you online if they want to yeah, know more yeah. about this? Yeah, theyboldlywent.com is my Tumblr devoted to the show. They I try to update went. it four or five times a week. Uh, it's filled with production stuff. It's filled with opinions. People ask me questions. Uh, sometimes I just find goofy old photos or stuff like that, publicity photos. It's trying, to, trying its best to archive uh, in its own way. Through my own point of view, uh, a show that I love way too much. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, anywhere else they can find you online if you wanted? Uh, Twitter, at uh, Kevin underscore Church. Also, I uh, still own BokuKevin.com, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where everything's linked from. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Let me add you to my professional network. There you go. If you need SEO, I can tell you things to do. There you go. Cool. Yeah, I'm always hustling. Um, you can find me at Elias Brandon on all of the internet things. Uh, same shit I've been plugging for the last two days now. Uh, my sketch team, the Pinup Squirrels, has a show soonish at uh, Nerdist. Um, oh, congratulations on that! Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I think that's. I think that's all. I think that's all I got. Yeah, um, we've done this enough. You don't need me plugging myself, but I do want to remind you that you can follow the podcast at, at IntuitPod. Oh yeah. And if you have a suggestion for a topic that you would like to talk to us about, um, we do have remote capabilities now. Um, yeah. You can email us at IntuitPod at gmail You can also follow us on Facebook at I Think You'd Be Intuit. Um, as always, thank you to Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song. Uh, going, uh, starting over is a lot like giving up off the album Falling is Like Flying. It's a lot of metaphors, but that's okay. She has a new album coming out very soon. They were just doing tracking. We cannot wait. Don't worry. It's going to be the thing I'm into when I finally get it. You'll know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thanks, thanks so much for uh, beaming down 
and talking to us Ooh. today. Well, kind of beaming sideways since you, you guys were in my city. But That's true. That's no, true. No, but thank you. But uh, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I really enjoyed it. No problem. We're they, good. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, well, thank it's, you for it's, the wine and the delicious bread. That's, like, uh, I'm like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like they say. It's like Star Trek Jesus. May like the a, force be with you. No. And also with you. <laughs> Okay. Okay, but also I'm I grew up Catholic and the first time someone said that in Force Awakens, I had to not say it back. <laughs> because it's an instinct. It's an instinct. I very actually went like, oh, no, don't do that. You're in the arc light. I gotta do I gotta do the thing. I gotta do the thing. You're in you're in the dome and you don't go to church. Don't do that. Uh, podcast over. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's gonna be a long, long time to touch down brings me back again to find I'm not the man they think I am back home. Oh, no, 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 I'm a rocket man. Rocket man. Burning out his fuse out here alone. I think it's gonna be a long, long time. Till Touchdown, bring me around again and find I'm not the man they think I am at home. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a rocket man. A rocket man. Burning out his fuse out here alone.